You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. of olives shall be split in two from east to west making a very large valley half of the mountain shall move towards the north and the half towards the south so those nations that Jesus is fighting against is a reference to those Gentile nations who have come against God's people Israel and so the armies of the Antichrist shall be destroyed The grace that's been extended to us over the last 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth is not something to be taken for granted. God has held back the judgment that all of us deserve for our rebellion against Him with the desire that we'll turn our hearts back to Him and find redemption in His Son. As Pastor Mike continues our study of Revelation in today's message, we'll be reminded that someday soon Jesus will return and bring an end to that grace for anyone who's rejected him. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 11 as he begins his message, God's Two Witnesses. Revelation chapter 11, and we're going to begin by reading verses 1 and 2 of Revelation chapter 11. So let's go ahead and begin chapter 11, verses 1 and uh, 2. Then I, who's I? Come on, pop quiz. Who's I? John, right? The recorder of the book of Revelation. He was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months, or three and a half years, or actually, literally, the last three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation uh, period. Okay, that brings us to our first point. If you're taking notes, write this down and that is the rebuilt temple. Now, concerning verses 1 and 2, the language here used in those two verses of Scripture that begin chapter 11, I want you to know, is particularly Jewish and has to do with the nation of Israel. You see, during the seven years of tribulation, the Jews will rebuild their temple in the city of Jerusalem. Notice the mention of that there, or the reference to that fact, there in verse 2. What does it say? 
the reference to the holy city. What's the holy city? The holy city is Jerusalem. And I want you to understand, according to other verses of Scripture, and I'm going to give you some cross-references for this as we move on in our study, the Jews at this particular time, three and a half years into the seven years of tribulation, will revert back to the Old Testament type of worship, the Old Testament sacrificial system, and the priesthood as well. And we also know that there is a movement right now underway throughout Israel today to rebuild the temple and to train priestly students in the Old Testament types of worship. And I don't know if you knew that, but this is actually going to happen during this period of time. But the problem is the temple's location, that is in the building or the rebuilding of the temple, the problem is the temple's location. That is to the proximity of the Dome of the Rock, which, as you know, is an Islamic shrine. So that's what that all, you know, the confrontations and all of the war that's going on between Israel and the Arab nations, at least in part, is all uh, about, right? You're familiar with that, right? So that presents a a problem in the rebuilding of the uh, temple. But... This actual, the building of the temple, will be provided for under the peace pact that the Antichrist establishes between Israel and the Arab nations during this particular time. And that pact is referred to in the book of Daniel in chapter 9 and verse 27. And we're going to go to that in just a moment. If you'd like, you can turn there now, but I want to set this up for you. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27 gives us some of the details concerning this pact between Israel and the Arab nations. But I also want to mention that later on, in that rebuilt temple that the Antichrist has has provided a way for uh, it to actually take place, the Antichrist will appear and he will acclaim the right to be worshipped as God in that rebuilt uh, temple. And that act is referred to, and maybe you've heard this expression used before, the abomination of desolation. How many of you have heard that phrase uh, used before? Many of you have, okay? All right, now let me give you a couple of cross-references for this uh, and the abomination of desolation. The first of which is, as I've already mentioned, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. Notice there in verse 27, it says, Then he, and who's he? In context, it's the Antichrist. And he shall confirm a covenant, that's that pact between Israel and the Arab uh, nations, with many for one week. Now, don't be confused by the use of that word week. Remember, in one of our past studies, we've already determined that that week is actually a reference to a unit of seven, specifically a unit of seven years. Remember, we've already talked about this in one of our Uh, previous uh, studies. So he, the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many, the Arab nations in Israel, for a period of one week or seven years. But notice, in the middle of the week, or in the middle of the seven years of tribulation, three and a half years into it, after the, the, the pact is signed and provides for the rebuilding of the temple, and then finally it's built, notice what it says there, and he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and the offering, which is a reference to the Jews going back and reverting back to their Old Testament style of worship, 
as I've already mentioned, right? The reintroducing of the Old Testament rituals. So that's a reference there uh, in that uh, portion of verse 27. And on the wing of, and there's that word, abominations, okay? The abomination of desolation shall be one who makes desolate. That's the Antichrist. Now, hold on. I'm going to give you another cross-reference that sheds a little bit more light on this event. Even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the uh, desolate. Okay, now let me give you... That's an Old Testament reference uh, to this. But let's now go to the New Testament. And I would like for you, if you would, to turn with me to 2 Thessalonians, if you would. In 2 Thessalonians, in chapter 2... In verses 3 and 4, Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, declares, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And if you, and if you look at this in context, he, he's talking about the revealing of the Antichrist. Now, this falling away, and, and, I, and I admit, it, it is open to speculation. You know, some people read this, and they suggest that this is a reference to an apostasy in the last days, just prior to the Antichrist being uh, revealed, which is, you know, it, it's a plausible explanation. Then other people believe that this departure that's being referred to here, notice this falling away, which can literally be translated departure, is a reference to the rapture of the church. And I think we've already established the fact, remember, as we've been moving through Revelation in chapter 4, John is raptured and we find him in heaven even before the Antichrist is revealed in Revelation chapter 6. So I just wanted to mention that again. I, I, I thought that was significant and worth mentioning. So let me read it again for you. Verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And then notice, the man of sin revealed the son of perdition. Who's the man of sin? The son of perdition. Who is he? It's the Antichrist. Okay, now verse 4, the abomination of desolation. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Remember, the rebuilt temple, he enters into it, and he demands that the Jews worship him as God. And so that's the reference to this in verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the rebuilt temple, because the temple hasn't been built yet, has it? In the rebuilt temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Okay, so the religious system of the Antichrist will be connected with the temple that's going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. And folks, during this time, many will accept him as their savior. Now, how is this whole thing going to play out? And how is it going to fall into play? What, is he just going to walk into the rebuilt temple and claim himself to be God? Something supernatural has to happen. Well, in one of our future studies, in fact, in the book of Revelation in chapter 13, in verse 15, we're introduced to another in our cast of characters who's referred to as the Antichrist witness. And, and, and something else that I, I just wanted to mention. You know, uh, this, if you think about it, it's sort of a, a counterfeit trinity. And uh, think about that. I mean, even as we worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is an unholy trinity. You got the devil, who sort of is like the Father. 
We have the Antichrist, who's like the sun. And then we have the false witness, who's sort of like the, uh, the Holy Spirit. So we have this counterfeit, if you will, uh, unholy uh, trinity. But anyway, in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 15, we're told that this false witness, this witness of the Antichrist, helps him uh, to draw out from Israel as well as the nations this, this worship. Uh, he helps them, he helps him by going into the rebuilt temple and setting up this image of the Antichrist, probably on the altar, and this, this, this image of the Antichrist is demonically charged and has the ability and the capacity to speak. So that's just one of the ways that he's going to be, you know, exalted into this place of being received and acknowledged as God. But we'll talk some more about that in one of our future studies as we move into Revelation chapter 13 and verse 15. And by the way, all of this is super uh, charged and energized by the devil himself. He's the one behind all of the things that are played out there, uh, not only here, but also in, in that chapter uh, that I've just referred to there in chapter 13. Now, notice here in verse 2, let's go back to verse 2. Let's go back to our text. Notice here in verse 2, the outer court of this temple is not included in the measurement. Do you see that? In the instructions that have been given John by this angel. And the reason for this is that this is the court of the Gentiles. And remember, the Old Testament temple was divided into uh, courts. And one of these was the court of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles might come, but they didn't come there to worship. They actually came sort of like as tourists, if you would, uh, sightseers, because you've got to understand that the rebuilt uh, temple back then, will, and even you think about Herod's temple, you think about Solomon's temple, both were considered architectural masterpieces, and such will be the case during these last three and a half years of the seven years of, of tribulation. So even as like, people come from all over the country to New York, right, to see the, uh, the Empire State Building or any of the other attractions, right? So it will be back then, or that's the way it was in, in the past concerning those other uh, temples, Solomon's Temple and Herod's uh, Temple. But beyond which, okay, they can only go far and into the court of the Gentiles, beyond which they dare not pass under penalty of death. In fact, there were signs posted that declared that. So they had, the, they had uh, military, they had soldiers uh, enforcing that. So really, if you were a Gentile and you went beyond the court of the Gentiles, you actually would be executed back then. So you know that, right? We've ta- we probably talked about that in one of our uh, past studies in some of the other books of the Bible. Now, the reason why there is no portion, let's go back now to verse 2, the reason why there is no portion staked out for the Gentiles here is because God is using them for the chastisement of Israel. The rod that is referred to there in verse 1, if you think about it, is an instrument of chastisement, which will be laid upon Israel at the hands of the Gentiles for 42 months or three and a half years, according to verse uh, 2. It's actually going to be an attempt. Now, the Antichrist, the devil, and and the false witness is going to be behind all of this. But think about it. It's going to be an attempt to extinguish God's people. 
That is Israel, the Jews, very similar to the Holocaust. And, and you know what? It, it, uh, in the same way, you know, put Satan behind the Holocaust uh, during the German regime. So it, that whole thing will be energized, was energized by the devil, and so it will be during these last three and a half years of the tribulation period. But notice the three and a half years, the exact time the Antichrist is allowed to speak forth his blasphemies, as we've seen in those cross-references. And this is also the period of time where Israel, depicted as the woman clothed with the sun, chapter 12 and verse 6, we'll get to that in one of our future studies, but I just wanted to mention this, is supernaturally kept in the rock city of Petra. Okay, so for the latter part of the seven years of tribulation, the Antichrist, energized by the devil, leashes out an attack upon Israel, determined to extinguish them as a race of people. But God, even as he stepped in during the time of the Holocaust, right, steps in once again, and he leads his people, Israel, to this rock city of Petra that's referred to in the book of Isaiah in chapter 16 in verses 4 and 5. Would you turn with me there to that cross-reference? In Isaiah, in chapter 16, in verses 4 and 5. And I'll wait for you for a moment. Isaiah chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. And this is a prophecy concerning God stepping in, preserving his people in this rock city of Petra. And by the way, I would encourage you guys, sometime during the week, Google the rock city of Petra. It's, a, it's really a, an, another amazing architectural masterpiece. They actually carved this city out of a rock, out of rock walls, rock mountains. It's an amazing feat, really, architectural uh, feat. It's a masterpiece. And there's a lot uh, on the internet that you can read about it. Really, it's, it's just amazing. Well, anyway, God is going to lead his people into, into that rock city of fortune. And you know what? There's only one way in. There's no, you can't go out the back way. There's only one way into this uh, this fortress. And so, anyway, God's people would see the Antichrist and his regime coming towards them. But nevertheless, God is going to intervene on, on their behalf and, and stop them, even as he, you know, stopped uh, the Egyptians from, from uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, ca catching uh, uh, the Jews after they made the exodus out of, uh, out of uh, Egypt. But anyway... This is referred to, this event, in Isaiah chapter 16 and verses 4 and 5. Now, this is God speaking. He says, Let my outcast dwell with you, O Moab. And by the way, Petra is located 115 miles southwest of Amman, Jordan. And so the reference to Moab here, it's a reference to uh, Petra. Be a shelter to them, Israel, from the face of the spoiler the Antichrist, for the extortioner is at an end. Devastation ceases, the oppressors are consumed out of the land, and then the glorious announcement, in mercy the throne will be established, and one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. So this is a prophetical announcement. Guess who? Jesus. Right? So all of this is taking place during the seven years of, of tribulation. So anyway, that's what's going to be happening. 
and uh, during those, that latter uh, three and a half uh, years of the seven years of tribulation. And so this will be uh, taking place during this particular period of time, which will come to a close with the personal return of Jesus Christ to the earth, as this was suggested there in Isaiah, subduing all evil, and then finally establishing his reign upon the earth. Now, I want to give you a cross-reference for this. Zechariah, chapter 14, and verses 3 and 4. And I think that this one will be broadcast up here on the screen. Zechariah, there it is right there. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. What nations? The Gentile nations, right? Who have come against Israel. You see? And he fights in the city, in the day of battle, verse 4. And in that day, when he comes back the second time, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. You know, you got to read chapter 14 in its entirety. We're not going to have time to do that this morning. But sometime during the week, as a homework assignment, can I give you a homework assignment? Okay? Read chapter 14 because it's amazing. And uh, we're only going to cover part of it. You know, the mountain, when his feet come down upon the Mount of Olives, it actually splits in two. And, the, and it, it creates this valley, as you see, as you continue to read. And this river run, begins to run through it, and it's described as the river of living waters, which, of course, is that reference to, remember, Jesus with the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, you know, concerning him, the only one who was able to give of those living waters. And if a man or a woman should drink thereof, they'll never thirst again. So it's very picturesque. You've got to read the whole chapter. It's very cool. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. So when he comes back, that's where he's going to touch down, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north and the half towards the south. So those nations that Jesus is fighting against is a reference to those Gentile nations who have come against God's people, Israel. And so the armies of the Antichrist shall be destroyed. Okay, so that's our first point this morning. But don't fret, we only have two points in this morning's message. So that brings us to our second and our last point, and that is two exceptional servants. Let's go back to our text and read verses 3 through 6. And I will give power to my two witnesses. Remember the title of this morning's message, God's Two Witnesses. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days or three and a half years, the last three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation, and they will be clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. In my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be The book of Revelation is filled with symbols and numbers and pictures that seem beyond comprehension, yet each one has a purpose and meaning. This book takes you into the end of the world, a time when Jesus will return to redeem the earth and rid it once and for all of evil. It's a time that may be sooner than you think. 
And that's why we're so glad you joined us today to study this important final book of the Bible on In My Father's House. If you'd like to hear more teachings from this series in Revelation, or if you want to explore Pastor Mike's studies in the other books of the Bible, just visit harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you'll be notified each time we post a new edition of the show. We want to meet you too. If you're going to be in Midtown Manhattan, come join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org or join us virtually. We're streaming each Sunday and Thursday so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. That website again is harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know that we're praying for you. You are a valued listener, and we're grateful to have you tuned in to learn about the love of God from the pages of Scripture. With that, our time with you is coming to an end. Join us next time for another edition of In My Father's House. There's a place for